Thanks for listening to Louder Vision, the podcast for visionaries, artists, and creatives. I'm your host, filmmaker and artist, Laura Mioli. And if you want to find out more about me and get creative tips and inspiration, you can visit loudavision.com. That's L-O-U-D-A, Louder. Here's my guest today. Her name is Gabrielle Hawkins. Say hi. Hi. She is a filmmaker, photographer, and a dancer. So Gabby's worked on music videos with Beyonce, The Roots, John Legend, and she's also worked on Chris Rock's film Top 5. So I like to put that in there, (laughs) which I really like that film. And you can find out more about Gabby at GabrielleAlikeHawkins.com, and I'll put that link in the description. So, But we're going to be talking about film nightmares today because we're both directors. We've both been on a lot of sets and had a lot of issues which I'm sure if you're a filmmaker, you've had a lot of issues, too, that have come up. And how do we deal with that stuff? Um, but we'll get into that in, in just a minute. But first, tell me about working on the movie Top 5, because I really like that movie. Yeah. I want to know about it. Okay, great. Um, Top 5 was a really cool experience. So what happened was it was actually a production assistant gig. Mm-hmm. And I only did it for two days. But okay. it was like a really, really great experience, which led to other opportunities for myself. Um Chris Rock was really cool to work with. Yeah. He was really nice. Um, he wouldn't remember me at all because there was so many people. Yeah. But he was a really nice person, and he was in director mode, so he wasn't like on as you would see him all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see that side of him. Yeah. Um, Rosario Dawson was really great as well. Did you work on any like the interior scenes, exterior? Like? We worked on the. Ex- I worked on the exterior scenes. So okay. the scene when he goes back home and he's in the projects. That's the scene that we worked mm-hmm. on, and that oh, was cool. crazy. That was crazy because we did lock up mm-hmm. and that was my job so everybody was like oh Chris Rock like I want to go and I want to go see him and I had to just you know we needed to get this shot so it was a lot of just talking to people yeah. and making sure that what are you doing here yeah like we're making a movie <laughs> yeah and then just you see people from the window yelling his name and stuff yeah. like that you're just like uh, but they you know they were really nice about like mm-hmm. taking pictures with them after that's cool but it was a cool experience because I guess, you know, they had shot that DMX scene before. Like, they mm-hmm. shot it out of order, and I just kept hearing about that scene. Yeah. So when I went to go see the movie in theaters, I was just like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> that was the fun. That got the biggest laugh, actually. Yeah, yeah. It did. It so did. it was a really cool experience. So mm-hmm. you were a production assistant. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And for everyone listening, I, I, we did go to Brooklyn College together, so yes. we, mm-hmm. we studied film production. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your journey from... Brooklyn College from mm-hmm. studying film to mm-hmm. being a director, you know, the whole, how did that work? Right. How, do you, how does it happen? How do yeah. you do this? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because it is really about who you know. And mm-hmm. for a while I hated hearing that because I was like, yeah. I don't know enough people, you know, or if the people I do know, sometimes they don't really give you that opportunity. Or so, they're broke. Yeah, or they're broke. <laughs> or you have to do like light stalking and just keep, you know, just <laughs> keep at it. And, you know, so... I definitely, Brooklyn College was a big test for me to see if it was something I still wanted to do. Yeah. Because the film, I didn't think I was going to graduate. So I had Mm. to, I had lost my footage three times and I had to reshoot everything. Wow. The first time I asked someone to save it because I was in director mode. I was like, all right, you know, can you just save it? And he said he saved it. He saved it the wrong way and erased everything that we shot. And then I was like, all right, forget this. Let me, you know, save it myself. So I saved it myself. It was there. And then somebody dropped my hard drive when we were oh. moving to another location. And this was the days of those big clunky hard drives, yeah, too. The, yes, it was the big, like, <laughs> the glyph. Yeah, the, yeah, it was a glyph, which was a good drive, but it was big and it was clunky. So. Yeah. 
and tapes. Yeah, and the tapes. Yeah. We had like the mini DVs and things like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, and then it was just it was just crazy. And then I didn't like what I shot and I kinda just wanted to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get into the film festival, and I knew I wasn't going to get in with what I shot. So I technically had already graduated, but because I had to take a pass-fail because I didn't have any footage, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't rent out the equipment. So I I used my savings and rented out um, equipment. Um, oh, like the real way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which was crazy. I had to get insurance. I had to do all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, wait, I'm still in college, you know, like, yeah. why can't I rent out the footage, you know, the uh, equipment to shoot? Um, so I shot it. And then it started to snow. So then <laughs> I shot in the snow. And it was just <laughs> awful. But all that hard work oh. paid off because I was able to get in the festival. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, it's not, there's so many things wrong with the film, but I'm just proud that I was able to do, yeah. get it done. But it was a test because I just I I wasn't graduating and it was just really hard. So I was proud that I was able to graduate as well. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'm well, always mm-hmm. when making a film, it if you just finish it, that is yeah. the the way to go. Right. It doesn't just get it done. Right. <laughs> it, just get it done. It doesn't really matter if you don't like it because mm-hmm. you're always going to see something wrong with it. Like yeah. I see so many things wrong with it. Like I don't want to show anyone. <laughs> <laughs> at all, but I'm proud of it, you know. Yeah. So, but I wasn't going to submit it to the bigger festivals because I just it wasn't something that I thought was good enough. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish I did, but I'm you know I look back on it and it was a good experience. Yeah. So that led to I actually met someone through my father who worked in the industry a little bit, um, but he worked in news, mm-hmm. and I worked on a music video. That's how I got my start. I worked mm-hmm. as a production assistant, which was crazy. I worked on this hip-hop video, and it was... A, I'm not going to say all their names, because a lot of them were just not very nice people. Maybe, okay. like, one or two of them were nice. Um, but it was a it was a hip-hop video, and it was with all these different guest artists mm-hmm. who all bought their entourage. So it was about 10 guest artists mm-hmm. with 20 people that I had to be like, get out of the way. <laughs> And then on top of that, they were all smoking weed, so I was contact yeah. high and working. Um, and it was really funny, but it was interesting. But yeah. my experience with Brooklyn College, it looked like I had been working these type of things for the longest time when it mm-hmm. was my first professional gig. So I kept working with um, that person who's Dio, ha- uh, Dio Haywood, mm-hmm. and he's like really helped me get my start, and he was really great. And he... Um, he was really awesome. I really, he still, you know, he helped me get the job with Beyonce and John Legend mm-hmm. and The Roots. And I worked as a production assistant. And they were, you know, they were very nice people like Beyonce, John Legend, and The Roots. They were just mm-hmm. really, really cool. Yeah. And it was, it was really crazy. So it's all about that one, you got to meet that one person. Yeah, it was that one person. And mm-hmm. then I realized I didn't want to do music videos. Like, I just oh. didn't really mm-hmm. want to do it anymore. So I had to try to find my way to get into film again. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, the hip-hop video, as much as it was a hard experience, I really don't, like, I I loved it in a way. Yeah. <laughs> as crazy as it was, and to see these artists just just doing whatever, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't bad. Yeah. Can you talk about going from production assistant to mm-hmm. director? And sure. Did you always want to be a director? Or? I had no clue. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew that I liked writing, mm-hmm. and I didn't think my voice was strong enough for some reason to be able to direct Mm -hmm. and then I would give people what I would write and they just weren't really doing it the way that I saw it so I wanted to take control and ownership of it Uh, 
so I decided to, you know, try to write and do my own stuff. So I wanted to continue freelancing. And on the Chris Rock film, I met um, this woman that really got me a really great gig. Mm-hmm. And she helped me get a gig on Alto, which was a feature film that I worked as an assistant director on. Oh, cool. Yeah, and her name is Tobey West. So she was... I just met her one day, and she was so cool, and she was just... You met her on set or, like, in the street? On set. I met her on um, the Chris Rock film Top 5. And Mm -hmm. I met her, and she just kind of stuck up for me, and she was really awesome. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, she she helped me out a lot. And I met her when I was doing... I was a PA, and I guess because I was a girl, they Mm -hmm. didn't think I could do lockup when I can. And they had me fire watching, which is basically watching equipment. Okay. And um, making sure the extras are okay. And that's how I got to speak with her. Mm-hmm. But she was talking to this one woman, Tony D'Antonio, is a great producer, and she was producing Alto. Yeah. And she was just like, well, you know, there's this girl, and she doesn't have that much AD experience for a feature, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's a low budget, so why don't you meet? And that's how I got that gig. Good. Yeah, so it was, it was, that was a very hard shoot, but it was very fulfilling at the same time working on alto as an mm-hmm. assistant director it was a very big like it was just a lot of people yeah managing so and mm-hmm. so what is your goal in terms of the filmmaking world i would like to write and direct oh good yeah so it was that freelancing was very interesting because i realized i needed to get my own work out there mm-hmm. and it was really tough to really always be like what's your next gig what am i going to do and then have to prove yourself constantly yeah and, you know, just being a woman is very difficult, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's an advantage and sometimes it's always an advantage to me. But people don't always see it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because you always have a different perspective of certain things. What do you mean? Well, it's an advantage for myself in the way that I see it because I just love being a woman in the way that I look at the world. Mm-hmm. And But to other people, they see it as a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But I just always think on my, you know, my feet up really, really quickly just because I remember there was this guy I was doing lockup and he wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. Because I was, you know, a girl. So I just tried to flirt with him in oh. order for him to move his car. And he finally did. Because <laughs> And I needed to help, you know, because the guy was he wasn't listening to the guy. And, you know, it goes both ways. And it's your charm. Yeah. I was just like, hey, da da da. <laughs> so stupid, but <laughs> I just needed to get that. Because you have like the AD when you work as a production assistant, mm-hmm. the AD's, you know, constantly yelling in your ear. Yeah. And I had, you know, but uh, yeah, so that was just interesting. But um, it's an advantage in the sense that it's just so many different ways that I see the world. And mm-hmm. I really want to expose that. It's just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your film, Criminals. Criminals? Um, it takes, it's a short film. and it's, But it was a feature. Why is it not a feature? I know. I want it to be a short right now so then I can, you know, kind of show it as a teaser kind of and see like, okay. hey, this is what it can be. We need more money okay. type of thing. Because right now we just, we actually didn't even, um, we reached like maybe 50% of our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still had to fund a lot of the rest of the film myself. Uh, but Criminals, it I wrote it a long time ago, and it's still relevant. And mm-hmm. I wrote it about, it's a political film, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I hate saying politics, because politics is basically, a, you know, life. But yeah. it talks about um, police brutality. It talks about um, government control. It talks, it ranges on a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. And just where 
moving towards the world in technology. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in the dystopian future in 2040. Mm-hmm. And these two people, they infiltrate the officer program. And they um, get all these documents and they want to release it on the internet, which is now government controlled. Okay. So kind of like hackers in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think I wrote it in 2009. Okay. Yeah, and it actually started off right after graduating from college and not being able to get a job. Oh, so it started that's off, a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it started off with, I was reading about these tent communities, and it was about, it started off with two people living in a tent, and mm-hmm. then I just let it sit for a while, and then things changed, and it became this. So it's uh, it's black and white and also some color, so it's, it mm-hmm. goes back and forth, and um, it's inspired a lot by different, areas of art like film music and i listen to a lot of trip-hop when i write it mm-hmm. so yeah so tell me about the film nightmare that occurred mm-hmm. with criminals ah uh, uh there were so many <laughs> um <laughs> well what caused you so you were you raised some money right to, to get it off the ground to start mm-hmm. filming and mm-hmm. then you stopped so why did yeah. you stop well we we shot most of it and i have to reshoot it um, not everything, just the stuff that we didn't get. We didn't get two scenes. Okay. Um, so I'm reworking the script a little bit to see how we can get that because it's going to change just because we don't have the funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stopped based on a personal experience that happened, so I, I had to put it on hold. And then um, we shot it on the weekend just because when we could have everybody shoot mm-hmm. and be there. Um, so one of the nightmares that happened was, for some reason, again, my footage was lost. Um, and so it w- which actually it was really great footage, but the way that the script is going, mm-hmm. I couldn't have used that anyway. Okay. So thank God that was the only thing that was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a bad um, card that we had. Okay. Yeah. So that's what happened. Um, and uh, that happened, and then it started to rain, so we couldn't get all the yeah. scenes that we needed. Um, yeah, and then you know it's just. Pre-production was a nightmare to not have enough money and you're doing a lot of things yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend, um, David Pipek, he's the producer on it. And he's just like a godson because he's an amazing producer. And mm-hmm. we met on Alto and he's been, I mean, that's that's our film together. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody that's involved, it's, you know, it's our film. Like, I never say it's mine or mm-hmm. mine alone because I can't make it by myself. <laughs> yeah. So you have a regular job. Yes, I do. A regular day job. I have a day job. Mm-hmm. And you manage to put together mm-hmm. what what you plan to be and what you hope to be a feature mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. How does that work? How do you manage that, both things it's at the hard. same time? It's very difficult. It's lack of sleep. <laughs> it, really, <laughs> it really is because it's, yeah, it's really hard. I did, the, I did a lot of the casting myself. Mm-hmm. So I had this one role that I posted on Backstage and got like over 300 submissions. Wow. So I didn't expect that. I was expecting like maybe 20. Yeah. Because it's a very small role, like very little pay. Mm -hmm. And found a really um, awesome actress. But it was just like going through all like 300 submissions for like 15 slots for like, you know, two days. So That's hard. Yeah. So that was part of the process. And then uh, raising the money, David and I did a... Mm -hmm. uh, fundraiser campaign on um, Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. We want to do Kickstarter for um, Post to raise okay. that. And uh, a really good friend, again, that I met on Alto, uh, she's been really helpful too. She's mm-hmm. a cinematographer. She's amazing. 
um, Valentina Caniglia, and she's worked on a lot of different films, and she's her aesthetic is amazing, and we work mm-hmm. really well together. Yeah. You have all these people helping you, right. but you also have to schedule them. You have yes. to make sure that they're available, yeah. make sure your locations are available. How right. did you How did you do that? Well, what I did was I... So I work Monday through Friday mm-hmm. um, at my day job, and then on Saturday and Sunday I would location scout, and I would okay. go to different places. And my boyfriend was amazing, would also come and help me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we would location scout together. So I went all over New York because I was trying to find like these abandoned like dystopian type of things mm-hmm. and that was safe yeah. for my actors and just the crew. And then um, my really good friend Marta, who's also the AD on the film, would help out with the scheduling and um, did the call sheet and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it was really hard because I, when I was working on the film, I was, you know, I work as a receptionist. So when the mm-hmm. phones were slow, I was like, all right, well, let me write or look up something. Yeah. But still, you know, work. Because I don't like to have the two interfere with one mm-hmm. another. But it was hard. It was just trying to juggle it. So I basically was working like seven days a week, <laughs> I guess. Because on the weekends, I was doing, um, but I always, yeah, I was doing, what was I doing? Yeah, location scouting, looking at doing, you know, casting calls and things like that. And, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of that. That's like the big reality for a lot Mm -hmm. of filmmakers nowadays is having to have a a normal job or a non-film job, Mm -hmm. which pays the bills. And then Mm -hmm. on the weekend or whatever days they're off, having that that creative yeah. outlet that they have but it you know filmmaking is such a huge amount of responsibility right right a lot of work goes into it so besides losing footage mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. there been any like major issue that you've learned from or like mm-hmm. something on set that's happened a film nightmare mm-hmm. that you've overcome um i think probably the biggest was maybe alto because it was just very stressful with certain things because it was a very large cast. I think it was maybe 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, And we had a lot of locations. Um, so it was really, really difficult to try to manage all of that. Yeah. And like as an assistant director, it was just really, really hard and to try to keep everybody calm and like, yeah. we're going to be okay. Um, but it was rewarding at the same time because mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself and what I could do and mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work. The biggest challenge was that was that when p- people first met me, they thought I was a lot younger than I am. Oh, yeah. You do yeah. look like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and so they thought I was like 19. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I've done this for a little bit, you know. Yeah. So I've AD like short films before, but this was my first feature. So. I was like, I was just not myself. I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't sleep. I didn't bathe that much. Like, <laughs> I was sleeping at like random places, and um, I was yelling and cursing, just doing anything I could to just get people to like listen to me. Because yeah. as an AD, it's not really my job for people to like me. It's my job for people. I mean, to get the director's vision across, mm-hmm. which was hard. But it was like whatever. And then at the I realized that wasn't working. So I was like, all right, well, I like to joke around, so let me do that. So Mm -hmm. I would just, you know, try to make people laugh to calm them down Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that seemed to work a lot better. And uh, it it ended up just being a really fun shoot Mm -hmm. Um, and getting to know a lot of different people. So you were a disciplinarian, you were a clown. Yeah, I was was losing my mind. (laughs) Like, it was just, I think that was the hardest shoot I think I've been on, harder than the music videos. and yeah. It's hard not to, especially as an AD, but mm-hmm. in any stressful part of filmmaking, it's mm-hmm. hard 
not to just get caught up in all the stress of it. Right. And to like be able to pull yourself out and say, okay, I'm not having any fun right now. Right, right. And like maybe some jokes or some happiness might bring some levity to the situation. Right, right. (laughs) It's just like, it's just, you know, it was intense for everybody because it was just a hard, it was just hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But rewarding at the same time. So Mm -hmm. it was, I think that was my biggest learning experience and growing and at the time I was 27 mm-hmm. which was pretty young for me to be 18 not something you know that big but mm-hmm. I'm really proud that I had that accomplishment yeah yeah and I had quit my job I was like I'm leaving I was working at a restaurant oh and uh, I quit my job to do it and it was awesome mm-hmm. and my boss where I was working was really um, understanding about it Good. Yeah. yeah, and that could be a lot of pressure. Like, mm-hmm. you quit something for something else, and then mm-hmm. it's like, when you're in the stress of it, you're like, I don't know if I, I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt, because after it was over, I was like, oh, I need a job. Yeah. So it was hard, you know. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, it was. It, I think that was probably the biggest thing, because I, I was managing the crew, the cast, just everybody, and yeah. it was very, very hard. That's got to be a lot to juggle. Yeah. But uh, I think just being in the moment, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's what kind of helped you out. Yeah, for real. I just had to really get used to everyone's personality mm-hmm. and see what works. Because what works for one person doesn't work for the other. Yeah. So that's what I had to learn. I had to learn people's personalities very quickly, mm. um, which was a really interesting skill that I learned. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. joke like on TV and stuff in, in shows about the business Mm -hmm. they joke about like the actors being like drama queens and Mm -hmm. you need to like do Mm -hmm. these things for them to make sure that they calm down and they need their green (laughs) m&ms like it's just it's true like i mean they exaggerated a bit but it's true like everybody needs some kind of like emotional hug yeah (laughs) yeah it's true like everybody the actors actually on the shoot were very chill like they were very very nice Mm -hmm. and thank god because it was a big cast and it was they were all very very nice people Mm -hmm. and thank god um yeah they were really cool like they were calming me down when i was just like i I quit i think 20 times a day (laughs) like how many and when it lowered to like five it was a good sign that's good yeah but i was like i quit (laughs) fuck this shit like i was just cursing all the time like a crazy woman Oh, man. I was smoking. I don't even really smoke. I was just smoking <laughs> packs of cigarettes. Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. But it was, you know, it was funny because they were the ones being like, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be doing this for you. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. They were, like, yeah, that just has a character about them. They were very nice. So well, that's we were like lucky. part of the teamwork part of yeah. the aspect of it. Yeah, but they, it was a lot of strong people on set. And mm-hmm. it was it was great to learn from all of them and just. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really, I'm really glad I had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds hard, but it doesn't sound like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Because you got out of it, you're good. Yeah. You're all set. But you learned from it, so that's, you know. Um, Is there anything that you learned from the losing the footage thing? Like, is there any advice you can give people so that they don't lose their footage? Yes. Um, Make sure, I'm trying to figure out the best thing to do. Because the thing that would happen with me was that I, especially in your smaller budget, Mm -hmm. Make sure that you sit down with the person. Have a DIT. I'll say that. What is a DIT? A DIT is that their only job is to download footage. Okay. Don't have a gaffer do it. Don't have somebody that's doing it. What if you don't have money? You can have a PA or something, or you have somebody that, even if you don't have money, because I didn't have money. Mm -hmm. So I had somebody else that, you know, when we're actually, my friend David did it. Mm -hmm. So he's a producer. So 
when he wasn't on set, he could do he could download the footage and thank God he was able to do that. So you told one person, this is your job. Yeah. Like you are responsible for this. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's what's helpful because if you have another person to you you just have to have someone do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um because if you it may seem like it's easy just to have someone else do it who can also like be a you know, an A C assistant camera. Mm-hmm. But I that's my biggest thing is to have someone even if it's even if it's a student film or anything like that, mm-hmm. have someone that can just do it and make sure you sit there with them and you do a test right before you shoot. Yeah. And make sure that they know how to do it. Um, and that would, that's the biggest thing. You have to have someone, you just have to have someone do it. And in terms of organization, is there mm-hmm. like, did you lose it because it was disorganized or just because of the transfer? Um I think it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. because we should have tested, and I take responsibility for that. Like we should have tested um, that card first mm-hmm. um, to make sure it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing, as a director, you kind of yeah, there's other people involved, mm-hmm. but like that's your job. Like you have to do also control other things. So yeah. I take responsibility for that, and not being like, hey, was this checked? You know. Um, so that, I think that was probably a bigger thing. And then also... That's really the cinematographer's job. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But it's also like, we we thought we did check it. Because, it, oh. again, low budget. And I was picking up the... That's the other thing. Like, I picked up the footage. Oh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they had checked the other, you know. And I was like, oh, it's good to go. We were running out a lot of time. That's why I say it's, like, my issue. Because, yeah. like, I was the one that picked it up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, it's a combination of things. Like, it is a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes those are, like, I'm right by the camera. I can just yeah. ask, you know, especially if I know. Like, there's some directors mm-hmm. that you might not know how cinematography works. I have a little bit of idea for it. Mm-hmm. But Especially from, I just say that from my experience, like I've lost footage before. So mm-hmm. I can just be like, hey, is this, yeah. just be anal about that stuff. Um, and I think as a director, sometimes it's just you take responsibility for those type of things mm-hmm. so they don't happen again. Um, because there's nothing you could do about it. Even if you do no. blame somebody, that doesn't get the footage back. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. I was like, I could sit here all day long. I'm like, okay. I took a moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, this keeps happening. I had like a little <laughs> mental breakdown. And then I was like, all right, well, let's just keep going. You know, and I had a great team to just encourage me to keep doing mm-hmm. that. And um, we got some really great other footage. Mm-hmm. And I have to reshoot what we shot anyway for that. And it was only okay. one scene. Okay. Thank God that it was just one scene. And we checked it. Yeah. Um, but it was gone, and we told uh, we told the people that we rented it from that it was a faulty card. Mm-hmm. The uh, most organized film that I ever worked on, mm-hmm. I had a really great DIT. Mm-hmm. His name was Daryl Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Hi, Daryl. Yeah. Hey, what's up, um, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I found him. Mm-hmm. I don't remember because it was a blur. Mm-hmm. But he, like you said, he sh- we did a test. He right. showed me this right. is how we're gonna take the footage. We had a black, mm-hmm. like some kind of black magic. This was many years ago, right. like a black magic recorder plus tape. Mm-hmm. So it was like two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know if there was tape. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. there was like two ways that it was recording. Mm-hmm. And then he would he showed me a test. He said this is how it how it works. I'm putting it in these folders this way. Mm-hmm. You know, day one, day two, day three. Right. And then. Every day at the end of the day, it was mm-hmm. his job right. to make sure that the footage was getting put into the folder and he would actually back up the hard drive. And we would all wait for him. We were like, we're not leaving until this is mm-hmm. done because right. it was so important. Yeah. 
there would be one hard drive with the files and a backup. Mm -hmm. So every day, even if my hard drive broke, even if I lost a hard drive, I still had another one with Mm -hmm. it. And then by the end of it, it was amazing. I had all the footage twice everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the film that you were directing, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I say it's like it it does come down to the director. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be on top of that stuff. I wasn't on top of that. That was all Daryl. I know, but you you were like the one to say like we're not leaving until it's checked. Well, we were in New Jersey, so we couldn't leave. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. We couldn't leave without right. each other. Right. But um, it's important. Jersey's like another world. Oh, but, yeah. You know, we couldn't leave. Like, right. We couldn't. It right. was too far. Yeah. But the point, I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was the best right. person I ever had to do that. That was the most organized it ever was. Right. That's like the goal for right. every film going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't know that's how it was done. It's just, it has to happen once. And you're like, oh, this is how, this seems right. This right. This feels right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, DIT is just very important. Yes. Like thank I, you to all the DITs out there. Thank you so much. Because it's important. <laughs> they don't get enough love and respect. They really don't. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's the most important. There's no it, film without yeah, them. There is it. Like, it's gone. Like, I know for a fact. It's just a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. It's <laughs> so a lot true. of money. Yeah. So it's like no matter what you're doing, especially as a director, like, yes, there's other people, mm-hmm. but you do have a responsibility to just kind of be on top of that stuff. Yeah. Like the AD, of course, is going to be on top of different things. But having worked as an AD, like mm-hmm. you're doing so many different things. And not to say that they're not going to check as mine did, but it's just uh you just kind of have to be on top of that stuff. The AD bit. is so busy. It's they exactly. cannot they deal can't. with the camera no, stuff. They like can't. the technical needs to be the cinematographer in charge right. of their branch right. of people. Right. Which is the assistant camera okay. person, right. the gaffers, right. the lighting, right. and the you know the production assistants on that side, mm-hmm. and the DIT. So right. I mean, yeah. So it's it's a, you know it takes a village. So it's, yeah, it's very true. So it's like. Yeah, for that, it was very rushed because we had to get to the next location. Mm-hmm. So that's always how it is. And then, and it was like, it, you know, it's, I think it does, that, that was the first day of shooting. Mm-hmm. And it does take a rhythm to get to know how everybody works. Yeah. So it takes maybe about four days and we were shooting two. Um, so that's what I realized. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I was like, oh, I'll have a nine to five and I'll just shoot on the weekends. And I was like, oh, damn, like, this is difficult. Yeah. So you need a little bit more time to get to know yeah. how everybody works it's together. Easier, obviously, if you're going like a whole week in a row, right, right, you're together every single day. But then a whole mm-hmm. week goes by, you kind of forget, like, yeah, oh, I don't know this person. I don't really know this person. Right, otherwise, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to also share my film nightmare. Yes, please. Um, because we went to Brooklyn College together. Mm-hmm. That's how I know Gabby. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in the film production uh, department. I was doing my thesis film, which is the last film you have to do before you graduate. It was yes. like, if you don't finish this film, you fail. Right. And you have to take it again. Yep. And it's like a whole semester of just making one film. So it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And I remember, maybe you remember better, but we had like two weeks to write that script, right? Yeah. We didn't, we didn't have, have a whole a semester. Mm-mm. So we had about two weeks to put a script together, which for me, writing is time. the hardest thing. Yeah. So I went into that shoot completely like lost because I didn't even have the last I didn't have the ending Mm -hmm. of my film Mm -hmm. I just had like a basic like the beginning and the middle I didn't have the end and I was worried about I need to get equipment I need to find location I was scouting for the first time I was casting for the first time Um, I was 
I hired a, I asked a friend of mine who I worked with to be the cinematographer because he was a really good cinematographer. And a week before we started filming, he said, oh no, I'm not going to be able to do it. And like, oh, I remember that. No disrespect oh, to gosh. him. He was like, he was really great. Yeah. I still talk to the guy. Like I'm, I don't have any hard feelings, but he was the kind of guy who like, he doesn't want to say no. Right. And it's like, you you can't be like that. Like, mm-hmm. if you're promising that you're going to work on someone's film or mm-hmm. you're going to do anything for someone mm-hmm. and then you know that they're making plans around you, just say no. Right. You know, so yeah. he, he knew I was planning all this stuff. And then a week, like a week before to be like, oh, no, I'm not not available. Yeah. Like, so nonchalant. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to me at the time, completely inexperienced. Yeah. That, like, completely through my world. For a loop. Yeah, it's not like you. He he's your cinematographer. So you have to find a whole new person. Yeah. Yeah, that's difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did go forward with shooting with shooting the film. At the time at the time it was like you had a six week span of weeks to pick from to shoot to borrow the equipment. Pretty much everything was around like when can you borrow the equipment? I know. Super, yeah, I remember. <laughs> it drove me crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when can you borrow the equipment? So I'm like, let me book like one of the first weeks, and I'm always like this, and it's good. I was like, let me book one of the first two weeks so that if I mess up or I need to shoot again, I can shoot again. And I'm right. like, I'm not going to need to shoot again, but let me right. do it anyway. I always right. like to challenge myself like a dumbass. <laughs> but I did that. I'm glad I did because that shoot was a mess and it did not work. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so you had to so go I, back. Yeah, yeah, my film had claymation in it, which I've mm-hmm. never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I had this friend who I kind of knew. Like He dropped out of, out of Brooklyn College, but he was like, I'm a great filmmaker and I know how to make claymation. So I'm like, oh, great. I'll write this film around based on what you can do. I didn't know that he could do those things. Yeah. I just kind of believed what he said. Yeah. And again, like this is me inexperienced, not knowing anything. Like I look back at that girl and I'm like, smack. I yeah. hate you. <laughs> I know. So he was like, yeah, I'm great. And I'm amazing. I can make claymation. So I'm like, okay. And then we... Um, it's coming up. I lost my cinematographer. He's like, don't worry. I can shoot it for you. And I'm like, how are you going to shoot and do claymation? Mm-hmm. So he's like, no, don't worry. Don't worry. So um, we get on set and I realized very quickly he is not as experienced as he said that he was. And I had hired sound people. Mm-hmm. I paid for food. Mm-hmm. I like took off from work. I was working at the time, too. Like, mm-hmm. It was a lot of money that I was losing. Mm-hmm. Just being there and him wasting my time, like, right? Right. <laughs> really, my fault because I'm right. the director. So, but you know, just realizing that and like quickly, like my hopes just shattering. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was like, "This is the shot that I want." I had storyboards. He's like, "I don't work with storyboards." Oh, blah blah blah. And I was like, "I did all this work, and you're like telling me, me how to." Story. And he took over, and then the crew like turned on me at one point. Like it just seemed, it just felt like the vibe was crazy. Mm. And when you, as a director, when you lose your crew, yeah, that's you're it. Done. That's it. Like That's when they don't totally trust it. you anymore, you're the shoot's over. Like just go yeah. home. Yeah. And I was so like devastated. And mostly because I was like, I really want this film to come out good and mm-hmm. I had a really good vision for it and mm-hmm. I I really wanted it to be great. And I felt bad that I was asking friends of mine to help. Mm-hmm. And then they come and they're like, oh, this is not as cool as I thought it would be. Right, you know? right. So I felt like I was disappointing people because mm-hmm. I like to, I'm the kind of filmmaker who likes to hire people like friends of mine who aren't really into film, Mm -hmm. but maybe they're just cool to have around. Mm -hmm. And I'll teach them stuff. So Mm -hmm. even in that shoot, I had friends that were not filmmakers. Right. And 
I just was like, oh, my friends are here, and I'm, like, embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do that, too. Like, I hire some, like, if they're willing to help out because yeah. they want to see what it's like. And yeah. Yeah. That's rough. I do remember that. Um, and you actually reminded me before you were going to be my AD, and then you, you canceled on me, yeah. but I totally forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> I got so sick, and I felt bad because I did all that work. I remember I drove up. My mom drove me yeah. up to, like, Brooklyn College, and I was, like, all huddled. Like, I think I had a fever. And I, I was like, I yeah, and I was like, here's the paperwork. And I just felt so bad yeah. because I knew people had, like, dropped out. Yeah. So I was just so pissed. Yeah. And you were like, don't worry about it. Like, go to bed. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, no, like, because I, I did, like, the, the script breakdown yeah. and all this stuff. And I was just like, no, you got to get it. And when I got it. on set, the, the cinematographer, I'd yeah. say with air quotes, yeah. he, he was like, I don't need any of this. Yeah. I'm going to, I know what I'm doing. And I was like, wait, but we did yeah. all this work. Like, so he's he like, micromanaging yeah it was more than micromanaging it was like he thought he was a director i see you know he's trying to take and a it's job like when a, din- a director and cinematographer relationship is key to exactly film. yeah you and have you guys to have... need to know like the director is in charge of the actors they're yeah. in charge of the vision and the cinematographer is in charge of the look of everything right you can't like overstep each other Mm-mm. or there's like a breakdown yeah so yeah it's it was true. bad yeah it's like <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's like that's why sometimes it's good to do like a short film first with like a cinematographer mm-hmm. to see how you work before the feature. Yeah. I remember my my teacher taught me that, which is why I wanted to work with this um, was a cinematographer. Short film. I know, and you realize <laughs> you don't want to work with him ever again, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's tough though. That's that's a nightmare. That is well, a nightmare. What I I don't want this just to be like a podcast about bad things that happen. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you like how I turned it around because right. I think there's a lot of filmmakers out there who maybe struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, all of all of us struggle. We all struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's how do you overcome that? Mm-hmm. And how do you like move forward and mm-hmm. like actually finish the film? Right. You right. have to finish the yeah, film. Yeah, you have to finish. There's no way not to. Yeah, especially if you're in a, in school and it's mm-hmm. a project and you mm-hmm. need to not fail out of school. Right. So <laughs> what I ended up doing was reshooting. Mm-hmm. I I still didn't write the end of my script mm-hmm. until, like, I was on set. Really? <laughs> I literally had no time to think because I just need to be in a certain mood mm-hmm. to write it. But anyway, um, so I hired, I found someone named Carlos Garcia de Dios, mm-hmm. and he was amazing. Mm-hmm. I think he found me Daryl, the DIT. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And he, found, he had a gaffer. He had lighting mm-hmm. people. He had everything. Mm-hmm. So he kind of came with that part of the crew, mm-hmm. which was amazing because they already knew how to work together. So mm-hmm. it was that, like, it kind of skipped that whole getting to know each other. Like, they were good, and I was just yeah. getting to know the, the cinematographer. Right, And he right. was so amazing and experienced. Oh, cool. And what I learned from him was you really have to tell people what their job is before mm-hmm. you step on set, right. before you start shooting. Right. Because on that first shoot, I was just like, hey, I have my friends here. You're, you're just helping. You're all production assistants. Mm-hmm. But nobody really had a job. Mm-hmm. Like there was a sound person. He knew he was doing sound because mm-hmm. I hired him. But the production assistants were just like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And that was part of why it broke down because there was so much free time I see. to kind of like yeah. talk, you know? Right, right. But with what Carlos did, which was amazing, was he was like, okay, he. I learned from how he handled his crew, his part of the crew. It was like, you're doing this and you're doing that. And so I was like, okay, well, I had a 
I had like three production assistants, I think, and I had to tell them, okay, you're do you're moving stuff, you're carrying stuff. Anytime mm-hmm. something needs to be moved, yeah, that's you. You're a physical person. Right. Like right. <laughs> move stuff. Yeah. And then this other person was you're handling food. Mm-hmm. You're handling if someone needs a cab, someone mm-hmm. you need to make a phone call for something, mm-hmm. need to run out to get something, that's you. Mm-hmm. And it worked out like that. Right. It really right. worked out really well because I took that lesson from Carlos and just kinda yeah. like you, this is what you're doing. Right. And on set, like even in the future, I use that still because if you mm. don't know what your job is going right. on set, everybody's right. just doing whatever. Right, right. That's and true. And nothing gets done. Yeah, it's <laughs> nothing. So another thing that I learned from that was when I found Carlos was I looked at his reel. I looked at his resume. Mm-hmm. I spoke to him mm-hmm. and, I, and I knew I got to learn like how he was on set. Okay, cool. Without being on set. Right. Right. Because the mistake I made with the first guy was, I'm just taking your word for it of how great you are. Meanwhile, I've never seen anything that you've done. Right. Yeah. And I don't really know. Maybe I've seen. I might have saw one of his films that someone else shot, but Mm -hmm. it's like you can't just take people's word for it. Right. Right. Because what some what is in someone's head translated to video Mm -hmm. is completely different. It's so different. It can get lost. Right. And some people think they're amazing directors, amazing like photographers, and they're. Maybe they're not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have to like look at people's work, and that's how I found my claymation artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted these claymation figures, mm-hmm. and since that guy didn't work out, I was like, well, I'm not going to trust him to make my figures because on the first set, he never even had them. We were going to put them in in post-production, which I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But it was like, we have to go with it. Right, right. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm going to hire, I'm going to use money right. and hire somebody that knows how to make claymation. I was like, what claymation do I like? I like mm-hmm. Celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah. So I Googled yeah. <laughs> everything I could, and I actually found the girl, that the woman that um, made the figures for Celebrity oh, Deathmatch. Oh, really? And I contacted her, yeah. and she got back to me, which I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> wow. How is that possible? Yeah. But it was, and they looked really, like, they, they looked, looked legit. <laughs> they looked good. Like, your film came out so great. Thank you. It came out so good. It was in the festival. Yeah, yeah. there's still things that, like you said, like there's mm-hmm. still things that I would change about it today. Mm-hmm. St- still things I don't like. Mm-hmm. But compared to that first one, which right. I've never even edited, yeah. I've never looked at the footage yeah. because I just it's gonna make I saw it through the camera. <laughs> I don't need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> compared to that, mm-hmm. this was awesome. And mm-hmm. I'm what I learned from that f- film, what I learned on set is enough that I feel like that was a good experience. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, there's things I changed, but that's mm-hmm. good. I mean, yeah. every... You're always going to look at something and yeah. want to change it. There's yeah. always something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing that I would say as advice for people is mm-hmm. if there are people on your set who have drama right. and who like to talk, yeah, like... Not people who like to talk yeah. friendly, but people who like to talk nonsense to each other, just right. not really interacting with in terms of the film not really paying attention right and just kind of causing drama all around Mm -hmm. and starting trouble and gossiping Mm -hmm. kick them out yeah i agree (laughs) i agree you don't need it and it's like that's a big thing i think it's also really important to know everybody on set like introduce Mm -hmm. yourself to people Mm -hmm. because to know know everybody from your pa to your dp to like just make sure that they know each other too Mm -hmm. because i noticed if they don't people like well who's this person telling me what to do like yeah. oh well this is actually the AD or this is the second AD yeah but they were never introduced and oh. I think and I think that's a big thing too like I always do that. I try to do that on my sets 
Mm-hmm. I try if I'm directing, I always try to make an announcement and just make everybody feel really good and mm-hmm. be like, "We're in this together. It's okay. Nobody's above anybody. I'm yeah. not above you. Like nobody's above anyone. If you have any questions, come to me. Come to whoever." Mm-hmm. And I name who the roles are. Yeah. And on my set, I had a lot of women doing mm-hmm. like big roles, and like I had a, a female DP, female AD, and mm-hmm. um, female scripty who was amazing and. Um, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew each other mm-hmm. and was comfortable. Because it was a mixed set. It was men and women. Yeah. Um, but just wanted, I think that's a, that's one of the biggest things. Make mm-hmm. sure everybody knows who each other, you know, everyone is. Yeah. Because it's not a matter of, like, who's above another right. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a film, it's really, what is your job? Right. And what is your job? Right. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. there's not really much overlap no. on a film. And yeah. if there is, then you're, you need to just cut down your crew yeah like cut it down <laughs> or like if you have like what you were saying a person mm-hmm. that's like gossiping or like or someone just has an attitude and just yeah. talks down to people mm-hmm. you don't need it so just get rid of them yeah and uh, yeah i agree with that a lot because it's just not helpful i feel like the vibe of of any kind of set is really important yes when i interview people for videos i like mm-hmm. to make sure they're comfortable yeah that they're happy that right. it's not too hot like yeah. it just needs to be the right environment and yeah. that goes for like the mood of of your crew too right if there's someone bringing other people down someone who's negative nancy then right. they need to leave yeah they need to leave too <laughs> I, I feel the same way with actors too i interview my actors before mm-hmm. like they can be a brilliant actor but if they're not willing to talk to me and just like sit down and talk mm-hmm. about after their audition i won't hire them because I was like, I don't, I'm, this is low budget. Like, I don't have time if you're a diva. Like, I don't. That's a good casting tip right there. Yeah, like, interview your actors. See if they're willing to talk to you. So not just sitting through their monologue. No. After the monologue, like, kind of, because auditioning, I've been on that side, too. Mm-hmm. Like, say, hey, what's going on? Like, how's your day? Mm-hmm. See if they're willing to engage. And then sometimes they might not be as much because they're worried about saying their monologue. Mm-hmm. So do it after and see if they're willing to talk to you. Yeah. If they're not and they're just kind of cold, mm-hmm. especially after they've done their audition, don't hire them. Mm-hmm. Because especially if it's low budget, you don't have time for it. Yeah. And the actors that I've had on my both my films... Mm-hmm. In casting, like right after we like hugged that day, like yeah, it was very, like you connect yeah. with them right away. Right. And if you don't connect with your main act, if you're a director and you don't connect with your actor, then no, they're not, not gonna, gonna f- get your point across. No, exactly. <laughs> so you gotta be on the same page. Yeah. So you know. So we've talked about a lot of film nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's positive too, though. Yeah, there's positive. <laughs> um, there's this book I read, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. It's called the War of Art. Yes. Have you read that? I'm reading it now, actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I thought that was really relevant for filmmakers. Yes. And it's not about film, but it's about in creative ventures, mm-hmm. um, the kind of resistance that we have to overcome to, mm-hmm. to get our creative vision across. Right, right. So when I read that book, I was... I was kind of floored by it. I was like, oh, wow, this is true. Like, there is so much resistance. And they Mm -hmm. say it's from the universe and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But so much resistance from the universe and all these external things that come Mm -hmm. that it seems like external stopping us from progressing in our Mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that it was interesting that they kind of say that, no, it's like an internal thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you're dealing with something. Or Mm -hmm. um, And there was a quote that I just wanted to read. Mm -hmm. That says, the more important a call or action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we will feel towards pursuing it. Hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of 
talk about that a little bit and mm-hmm. just I know that you you have your film and mm-hmm. there's like money struggles and stuff and that's mm-hmm. the resistance of that project. That's part of it, yeah. yeah. But you have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do something. I gotta, yeah, it's, I think what I really like about that book too is that what's helped me with the part, I'm in the middle of it mm-hmm. and what's helped me or what I take away from it is like, resi- I mean, we're always gonna have excuses as to why we're not doing something. Mm-hmm. So I know I have a lot of them. I'm like, oh, I'm this. I'm not feeling well or, or um, I don't know, like money issues mm-hmm. like with this. But you know what? I'm freaking alive. Let me <laughs> figure this shit out and let me finish this movie. But it's. I think we do that. What's really great about that book is that it doesn't just, we can apply it to our art, but also like life. Like mm-hmm. it's just... I think we just need to stop making excuses and that's what I'm still telling myself because yeah. I do it every day. I think we all do. I know I do it a lot. So I need to make sure that you look at what you've accomplished and what you've overcame and things like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think resistance is something that we need to stop doing because <laughs> <laughs> especially as artists, like I feel like we're very hard on ourselves. Yeah. And it also says the danger is greatest when the finish line is in sight and at this point resistance knows we're about to beat it Mm -hmm. it hits the panic button it marshals one last assault and slams us with everything it's got (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i i thought that was cool because when the resistance is the most the strongest that is when we know we should keep pushing right and so these film nightmares that we talk about i feel like it's those are the things that's going to push us towards becoming better directors, better mm-hmm. filmmakers, better mm-hmm. artists, better mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. It's true. And also it's like not to be afraid of success. I yeah. think that people are a lot. And um, I see I see it sometimes. I see people that are so talented, but they just don't, they just keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I went to this class and this guy was just doing the same thing, like, but he wouldn't audition. He would take these act- acting classes, but he just wouldn't audition. I was like, but you're good. Like, you're really good. So why aren't you? Yeah. Like, I'll go. Yeah. So, and I'm not an actor by any means, mm-hmm. but it's for the experience for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the fear of success or fear of, like fear of failure as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think sometimes people are afraid of change. Yeah, because so, once you finish a project, then it's yeah. like, what now? Yeah, exactly. What do I do with this project? Right. Because it's not over once you've shot it. It's not over once you've edited it. Right. So I think it's like prolonged. That's probably a little bit of what I'm doing right now. I'm like, I'll be done. <laughs> so then like, what's the next thing, right? But yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. It's just like owning up to that, you know, and just being honest about it. And everything does happen for a reason, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it makes us stronger. Oh. And just finish it. Just finish. Like, just do it. Cause, like, Give yourself a deadline. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, just let people see it. Let, let people see what you've done and, mm-hmm. like, the work that you've, you know. Because people, you know, I want to be able to show it. So my plan is to shoot it because I have to have it match. Mm-hmm. So I have to wait actually a little bit because this weather's crazy. So I, yeah. ha- I shot it in the summer. So I have to wait till, you know, it's green again and... So I have to wait a little bit. It could be August at this point. I know. That's why I'm just like, <laughs> I didn't I didn't wait this long last year. Yeah. Because I shot it last year. So I have to wait again because I can't match it. So I have mm-hmm. to wait. Um, so that's okay. So it gives me time to like prep and do everything mm-hmm. else. But yeah, I'm excited to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the best thing. Just finish. And there's always going to be some type of nightmare. 
<laughs> like there's nightmares yeah. in Hollywood films. It's, it's yeah. never, it's always something. And it's how you handle yourself. Right. It's never, filmmaking is never going to be smooth, mm-hmm. ever. I don't think I've ever been on a smooth set. <laughs> and it's what you said in the beginning. It was, you said like just being in the moment. Yeah. How you realize I'm not having fun right now. Like just take mm-hmm. that moment away from yourself. Right. Away mm-hmm. from your drama and your yeah. overwhelm. Yeah. And just say, okay. Let me let me look at this from like a larger point of view, right? From the big right, picture, right? And if, I think if you can kind of step out of yourself a little bit and mm-hmm. realize, this is hectic right now, or like, right. well, how can I handle this? How can you know, right. what's the vibe going on right now, or how right. can I bring some light to the situation? Then yeah. I think you can get through anything. Yeah, really. yeah, it's true. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> anything else you want to talk about? Um, you're a photographer and a dancer. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I got in. I got to get back into photography, but it was really when I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. I studied in London, and then I came back and I could not get a job, and mm-hmm. I filed for unemployment. And the only unemployment I was going to get was eighty dollars a month. Oh. And then on top of that, they denied that because they were like, the reason you left your job or you quit or whatever yeah. wasn't a good enough reason. So I got really depressed. And what I decided to do was work on this photography project. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see how people reacted to my work. Mm-hmm. So it was called States of, States of Mind. And it was a series of seven pictures. Mm-hmm. It was black and white, but there was just one color of red. And that was the unifying color to just everybody was going through the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't alone. And I wanted to talk about that. And it was just a series of just being depressed. Mm-hmm. Um but so I shot in like all these abandoned places and I did location scouting. Um, and I, you know, I actually had a show. I rented out a place in Tribeca, had people mm-hmm. come for four days to see my work. Oh, and that's so cool. Yeah. So it was really cool. And then I went to um, BWAC in Red Hook and had my showing there because mm-hmm. um, you can volunteer and show your artwork there. And Oh, so you set this all up by yourself. Yeah. Cool. Um, just to see how people reacted to it. And they mm-hmm. really liked it. And I thought that was really dope and really great for me to just be like, okay, well, I can turn this feeling I have into art. Mm -hmm. And dancing was just, it's my first love always. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like my therapy as well. But I did it for a while and I was pursuing it professionally and just realizing what my body can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the audition process. I started to hate it. Mm And it was just the cattle calls, and I just I couldn't pursue it professionally because it's my yeah. therapy, it's my joy in that type mm-hmm. of sense. So I do it now for fun and classes, and it's yeah. so much, it relieves that pressure. And I got into film because I had an injury when I was doing a show, mm-hmm. and I couldn't. When um, you were dancing? Yeah. So I mm-hmm. pulled my hamstring but still had to perform with it, oh. so it got worse. Um, and it damaged it really bad, mm-hmm. and now it's healed. Um but I realized with film, I can love it so much, but still be able to pursue it in a business sense. Yeah. I couldn't do that with dance. Um, but it's just weird. But uh, I still miss being on stage and things, mm-hmm. but I just want to do it for fun now. Good. And, yeah. So dancing, I've been doing that since um, probably I started late. So I did it when I was like maybe 12. Mm-hmm. And I did it a little bit as a kid and I went to high school for it. Um, cool. Yeah. So it's uh, it's finding... Yeah, I just have a lot of different interests. So with film, all my work is influenced by a lot of different things, not just, mm-hmm. like, movies. I'm influenced by dance, uh, um, art, books, anything. So. Mm-hmm. All right.
Well, you can find Gabby at Gabrielle Alike Hawkins. Did I say right? Yep. That's dot com. <laughs> and follow her on social media. I'll put all the links in the description below. As for me, I'm filmmaker, artist, and your host, Laura Mioli. You can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Loudavision. And you can listen to more of these podcasts, read my blog, watch my videos, and contact me. Just go to loudavision.com and subscribe to my email list to be the first to hear all new episodes. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. However you like to listen, I've got you covered. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> the Loudavision podcast is produced by Laura Mioli and edited by Eric Saltzman. Good morning, Indubians and future friends. I am T. Sterling Watson from the Indu Podcast, and I invite you to stop by and press play. The Indu Podcast is a little bit of everything, just like myself. Topics include entertainment, nerd culture, pop culture, intellectual chats, spirituality, positivity, music, or magic, if I misread my own handwriting. You can find me on iTunes, Indu.com, and Indu.podbean.com. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production.